This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. We begin a new series of talks this morning on Romans chapter 5. And we're parachuting into the book of Romans without much of an introduction. So please open your Bible to Romans chapter 5 or your Bible app. You find it in the New Testament. It's the sixth book in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And that's where you'll find Romans after the book of Acts. And once again, we want to encourage you to bring your own Bible to church with you on Sunday. So when we come to a text like Romans chapter 5, where we'll, we'll be dwelling for the next four weeks, uh, you can open it in your own Bible, you can underline your own Bible, you can make notes in the margin or whatever you do with your own Bible. We'd encourage you to bring your own. So Romans chapter 5. The first four chapters of this glorious New Testament epistle starts to unfold the majestic theme of the book of Romans, which is the revelation of God's righteousness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The theme of the book of Romans is the revelation of the righteousness of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And since no one can be made righteous, no one can be made right by obeying laws and regulations from the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul explains to us how we can be made new, made right, how we can get right with God. How does that happen? How does a man or woman get right with God when you know darn well you're not? How do you get right with God? How does that actually happen? Uh, When and where does that take place? What must I do to get right with God? Well, the book of Romans makes it unequivocally clear that right standing with God comes only through faith in Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross. That's it. That's what Paul is teaching in Romans chapter 1 through 4. And and then he makes a transition into chapter 5 with the word, therefore. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And, if that's not enough, we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is a magnificent passage of scripture. Pastor Phil and I were talking about just before the service started. We're going to be four weeks in Romans chapter 5. I said, we could be four weeks on these two verses. There's, There's just so much here. Through faith in Jesus, we have been justified and declared righteous by God once for all. Way back in November, I gave you a working definition of justification, which goes something like this. Justification is the judicial act of God by which he pardons all the sins of those who trust in him or believe in Christ, and he declares them to be righteous in his sight by his grace 
through faith. Isn't that great news? That's good news. Father, thank you. Amen. Let's go home. We're almost tempted to say that's enough, right? That's all we need. That's good. I'm good. Let's go home. Have some lunch. A little bit early for lunch, but nevertheless, it's got that feeling of finality and fulfillment and completion to it. Such a good definition of justification. And as a result of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, there are benefits. The first of which is we have peace with God. And that takes care of the past. All of the past. We have peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we were Christians, we, we had not even a, a hint of peace. Because we stood under the, the wrath of God. We stood under the judgment of God prior to justification. There's no chance for real peace back then because we were far from God. Even as churchgoers, we might have been far from God. We were lost in the, the muck and the mire of sin. There's no question about it. And, and, and all of that resulted in a, a profound alienation from God as well as other human beings. Sin leads to brokenness. Always. Every time, sin leads to some form of brokenness and it reveals itself in, in every government, in every system, in, in every life, and in every relationship. Our relationships were, were marked with brokenness. And to top it off, we stood under the wrath and judgment of God. Yikes! No amount of Behavior modification or moralistic improvement could help us back then. Good grades, good looks, good income cannot bring the peace of God into someone's life. However, when we trust in Jesus Christ, when we place our faith and confidence in His finished work on the cross, then Colossians 1.20 tells us that God the Father Himself reconciles us to himself by making peace through the blood of Jesus which was shed on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. We no longer live under the fear of judgment. We no longer live under the, the wrath of God because we have peace with God. The, the war is over. The enmity, the strife between us and God in an objective or very real subjective sense, it's, it's over. We have peace with God. I, I just, I will never forget my initial experience with the peace of God. I, I remember it as clearly today as when it happened years ago. <laughs> happened a while ago. I was dating a young woman whose parents were avid fans of Jesus. They loved Jesus and followed him hard. And so... Every day that this scoundrel, this scallywag named Garth was dating their daughter, they prayed for me every single day. So I was prayerfully exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I heard it clearly for the first time in my life. 
I was deeply convicted of my sins and that afternoon instead of going to work I went home and in the privacy of my own apartment I knelt beside my bed weeping and repented of my sin and embraced Jesus Christ by faith. I remember that clearly. And from that moment on, in that very moment, I experienced the peace of God that I'd never experienced before. I mean, in that very moment, May 26, 1976, there you go, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew my sins were forgiven. And my life was new. And I was born again. And the sky was bluer and the grass was greener and life was good because of Jesus. He wiped the slate clean. I'd been justified by faith and now I had peace with God. Objective and subjective peace all at once. And that... That takes care of the past. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> My past is under the blood, and I have peace with God. You too? Amen. Now, how about the present? What about the present? Well, another outcome of justification is that we have access to grace. And that, that really does take care of the present. We have access to grace, the Apostle Paul says, in which we stand. We're, 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 we're standing in grace. Well, you're sitting. I'm standing in grace. We live in grace. That's the sphere of our lives now. Grace. We live by grace. We live in grace. We walk in grace. We sing in grace. Well, some of us sing in grace. Some of us need a lot of grace when we sing. But nevertheless, that's our position. That's where we're at. Through Him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Woo! Peace is one way to describe our new relationship with God. We have peace with God, and there's no more strife, there's no more fighting, there's no more enmity between us and God. But there is something greater than this peace, believe it or not. Namely, an experience of the power of God working for us. We're brought into the omnipotent sway of the power of sovereign grace. And that is rather mind-blowing for most of us. John Piper says this is, this is something more than justification and it's something more than peace. This is the mighty sphere and influence and dominion of transforming, empowering, inspiring grace. God's infinite power no longer against us, but for us. Thank you, Lord. Someone has proposed an acronym for the word grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a good definition, but not an adequate theological definition. Probably the most uh, well-known definition of grace is just three words. God's unmerited favor. A.W. Tozer, a prolific writer in the 20th century, expanded on that when he wrote, Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. I'm up for that. You know, bring it on. That sounds good to me. 
My, my dear friends, this is the land in which we live. This, this land of grace is our home. We, we get to stand in, in grace every single day. Grace, the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. And as believers in Jesus Christ, as men and women who've repented of our sins and believed in the gospel, believed in Jesus Christ, and trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation by the grace of God, we live in the grace of God today. Today. It's ours. That's where we live. Michael Jordan is arguably one of the best basketball players that has ever lived. But Jordan was quoted not too long ago as saying, I have missed, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. And on 26 occasions, I was entrusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. So have I. So have I. We have all failed over and over and over again in our lives. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But for the grace of God, there go I. You know, we, we know what that's like, but now because of Jesus and His finished work on the cross and His resurrection from the grave on the third day, we can live every single day, we can live every single moment standing in grace, surrounded by grace, enveloped by grace. We live under the sphere and in, under the reign of this dominion of grace, this overwhelming, inspiring, sovereign grace of God. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Change my address. Dear Canada Post, I have moved to Grace. Send all forwarding mail there, especially the bills. We live in Grace, right? My chains are gone. Woohoo! I've been set free. Say it with me. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. And that's the reason that we can rejoice also in the hope of the glory of God. And that takes care of the future. See? Peace takes care of the past. Grace takes care of the present. Hope in the glory of God takes care of the future. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The effect of grace and peace together is to produce a joyful approach to life because of the glory of God. Does that make sense? This word rejoice in verse 2 could also be translated boast. Boasting in the sense of jubilation. We rejoice, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We do a little dance 
because of the glory of God and its revelation in our lives. We do a little jig. We boast in the hope that grace offers us. I mean, when we were lost in sin, there was nothing to boast about because we fell short of the glory of God. We lived under the wrath of God. There was no peace of God. But now, in Christ, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that, that probably refers to this certain promise that we have as believers, a certain promise that believers in Jesus will be glorified and they will be perfected on the last day. Even so, come Lord Jesus. This is the hope that produces joy in our hearts. You know, the day-to-day stuff sometimes doesn't bring a lot of joy. But hope in the glory of God? Yeah. Come on. We rejoice in that. We boast in that. We're looking forward to that. That's what we like to call the blessed hope of the believer. Jesus is coming again. This is what we're banking on, right? We know the end of the story. We know how it ends, and we can't wait to get there. However, the actual conditions of our lives today, the, the actual condition of my life and yours may not be easy or pleasant all of the time. Life can be very hard. Have you noticed? Some of us have lived with disabled children for a long time. That's not easy. Some of us have lost a brother or sister, mother, father. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. Some are living with a diagnosis that just makes getting out of bed in the morning a real chore. And some of us live with broken relationships that are out of our control. There's nothing we can do about it but trust God. That's just really hard. But the knowledge and the experience of being justified by faith and being given the gift of peace with God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, converted from a life of hopelessness, adopted into the family of God, and welcomed into the church, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Sure it does makes a huge difference in our lives. Add to all of that the peace of God that takes care of the past and the grace of God that takes care of the present and the the hope and the joy uh, uh, that we have in the glory of God that takes care of all the future. Well, all of that enables us. It it strengthens us. It equips us to to face the suffering and sorrow. It it equips us to, to deal with disappointment and dissatisfaction. Charles Spurgeon once said, we need clouds and darkness to exercise our faith. 
to cut off self-dependence and make us put more faith in Christ and less faith in evidence and less in experience and less in feelings. Isn't that right? I don't need more evidence. I don't need more emotional religious experiences in my life. I don't need signs and wonders. I don't need to speak in tongues. I don't need a lot of money. I don't need a lot of friends. I don't need a new house. I don't need a new car. I don't need to be pain free. I don't know. I don't need to live my life without sorrow because I have the hope of the glory of God. And that's enough. We have peace. And we have grace. And we have hope. And that's enough. And, and, and on top of that, and more importantly, we have Jesus. And He's always enough. Amen? He's always, always enough. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, it's been our great joy and delight this morning to come to worship together, to submit ourselves to Your Word, in particular, Romans 5. You've been teaching us, You've been speaking to us, and we thank You for the peace and grace and hope that belong to us who believe only by faith and only because of Jesus. Lord, when we survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, our richest gain, whatever that might be, our richest gain, we count but loss and pour contempt on all our pride. For no, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ Jesus. And because of this justification by faith, we are made right. We're made right by God Himself. And we have nothing to worry about. And so, Lord Jesus, again today we place our lives and our families and our church into Your reliable, responsible, trustworthy hands. And we pray all of this in the strong name, the glorious name, the name that is above every other name in heaven and earth, Jesus Christ. Amen.